Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcast, and today is episode 32. Today, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be the sent people, both as an identity and as a calling. Let's do this. Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us today on our conversation. We have two special guests. We have Bob and Bosco here with us, and we're sitting in the SIM offices here in Toronto, and we're going to have this great conversation. But I'm not going to introduce you guys, but I will share a little bit about where I I know you guys from. So Bob, I've known you for many, many years. You were part of the mission prep for me when I was... Going oh to Japan oh my, yes. way back. This was like maybe 2007 or 2008. And we're preparing. That was with OMF, whose offices are here as well. That's really cool. And, and then we were at the same church together for, right. for many, many years. So it's been great to reconnect with you on this podcast and to see you again. Bosco, we have like crossed paths so many times and our names have always come up. Uh, in, in conversation. So it's great to have gotten to know you a little bit over this last past year. But without further ado, would you guys introduce yourselves, who you are, and a bit of your life and faith journey? Well, I, I've been a highly spiritual missionary. I first went to the mission field when I was nine months old. Oh, yes. Actually, I went kicking and screaming because my parents were missionaries in Nigeria. So they took me against my will. 30 years later, I went willingly to the mission field. So in between, there's a, a, quite a pilgrimage of wanting to do anything in the world except be a missionary. Once I got to university, it became clear to me, I had a heart for God. I wanted to be a follower of Jesus. It became clear to me, you cannot follow Jesus without being a missionary, mm. however you define that. And so I finally gave in and did give my life wholly and commitment to the Lord. And that led directly into mission. I married a woman who had that same understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so together we explored missions and settled on InterServe and went overseas with them in 1970. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Bosco, would you introduce yourself? So I'm a reluctant leader. That's how I I call it. Uh, Even when I I came to faith, I came to faith between my second year and my third year when God brought me back to Hong Kong. I grew, grew up like kind of going to church, but really not knowing the gospel. So when, when I came to faith, I, 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 grew, I grew really fast because, mm-hmm. because when I was, in, I was in Hong Kong, I was a third culture kid having lived in Toronto and in Hong Kong. And I just met a t- lot of missionaries there <laughs> and when, because they keep coming through Hong Kong to go to China. <laughs> and so no one told me that you're not supposed to, I just copy their faith. And so, yeah, I just, I just copied their faith. I just, any, everything that they did, I, I was learning <laughs> from them and I grew really fast in that sure. time. And Continually, as I, I've, I've been serving in church, I'm here here at SIM, a director of mobilization. But that same heart, God, God's given me a heart for uh, the space between church and parachurch. Okay, building, it's very, it's a very, very specific space. <laughs> but really, it's continually using the bridges God has built to to really like work, serve the church, serve the saints, mm. and and that's why I love being here, doing my role and as a director of mobilization, getting to work with all the different churches. Yes, awesome. And I love that both of you guys have had all of that ingrained in you 
from growing up that yeah. Yeah. being a Christian means to be on God's mission in the mm. world. And that was part of your faith formation. That's True. so cool. It's from nine months. Maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i late to the game to raise <laughs> yeah. my kids. I should probably be like, missions all the time. <laughs> missions. Yes, yes. Let uh, the Lord do it. Let the Lord, yes. Amen to that. Amen to that. So the conversation we're going to be having today is, what does it mean to be the sent people? And what this comes out of is actually something, Bob, you had mentioned all those years ago, hmm. 2008, so like over a decade ago, you mentioned in the mission prep. I've heard you talk about it in different context before, but you pointed back to John 20, 21. Hmm. And Jesus saying, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Hmm. And so today, the conversation kind of revolves around what does it mean to be the sent people? And both of you guys have been part of different mission organizations. Both of you have had that as part of your own personal life. Hmm. So we're going to kind of explore that and unpack that and think about what does that mean for us? So when you hear that term, to be the sent people, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What do you think of? I just think of the fact that God loves the world, and he wants to save the world through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And to get that job done, he sends people. So every child of God, every follower of Jesus is sent. The issues of where and how and when have to be decided. Right. But there's no question. We are all sent to do the Father's agenda, which is win the world for Christ. And put another way, God is ascending God, right? Uh, he's right. the one who, the church's mandate is ascend, is rooted in the fact that, just as you shared, the Father sent the Son, who in turn sends disciples into mm-hmm. the world, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Yeah. Or yeah, Romans ten fifteen. how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus himself is the one. And just as God is ascending God, we are sending is a reflection of God's character. And the central calling of the church. That's why we're just, we're sent. If we're going to do anything, we're sent. For sure. And we're driven by his love. I mean, God is love. Mm -hmm. And that's why he is sending people. And that's Mm -hmm. why we're all sent. Yeah. We've talked about it a couple times on this podcast about how God is the missionary God. And it's out of his love that he came to us. Like the father sent the son. Exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying, Bosco. You know, for us as, as followers of Christ, how do we start to understand that in, in deeper ways? How do we start to see our churches formed under that kind of perspective or paradigm? Because I got to be honest, growing up, for me, the context was that to be sent was to be a missionary, and that that was only a very select group of people mm-hmm. that were sent or you know, to, you know, commissioned out to the world or to different contexts. And it was never, for me, at least growing up, never a part of what does it mean to be a follower of Christ. So when, you, Bob, you said it all those years ago to me, and it stuck with me all that time, mm-hmm. it really resonated with me, and it really started to shift my perspective of what does it mean to follow Jesus. So for you guys, what does it mean to start to kind of lean into that, and what does it mean to start to be shaped by that perspective as, as a follower of Christ and in the context of the church. I think for me, reflecting on that, it's really, it's not so much about sending only specific type of people, but as you follow Jesus to where he is, we join into what he, God is doing, right? Yeah. And as we join in, that's, that's exactly how we're being sent. And nothing for, moves without first being sent. We are only able to follow Jesus because he sends us. Mm. Like, we, we, don't, we don't follow Jesus by our own power either. It's only by God that we're even able to follow Jesus at yeah. all. So therefore, as God sends as God sends Jesus, as God sends us, it's the it's like this cycle, cyclic kind of thing, right? 
Yeah. And and really even even if you look at Matthew 28, everyone always goes looks at the passage, oh, it's the go, therefore, and make disciples out. But actually the verb the verbal tense on that passage has always been it's as you go. Because right. this, it's assumed that you're going. Right. It's all. It's not like a special thing. It's like no, as you go, mm-hmm. make disciples. Yeah. Yeah. It's like rather than like okay, now you go. It's like no, right. you, as, we've been going this whole time. We've been journeying <laughs> this whole time yeah. for the three and a half years. Like things have changed. Yes, because I've died and rose again. But as you continue, keep going. As com- I keep go, make disciples. And that's sure. one of the big differences in the paradigm of mission. Uh, mm-hmm. Since I first went overseas, when I went overseas, if you felt called to mission. It meant you left from here and went there. That's right. And you're basically focusing on evangelism and discipleship. Mm-hmm. I think we have a, a far better, more biblical understanding of being sent now. Uh, just like Bosco said, it's wherever you are, wherever you are going, Sure, you are a sent one. And you're representing the Lord, but you're looking for opportunities in every single aspect of your life and wherever you are mm. for this, this sense of sentness. So you're you're grasping every opportunity. You're seeing people through the eyes of uh, a loving God, and you're longing to see them come to Christ. Right. I love how you guys both talk about it as it is something that's already happening and it's already part of our identity. Yeah. Right. You yeah. you guys are not sure. talking about it as being sent is just that is something that we do, but someone who we are mm-hmm. yeah. in Christ. That's right. And that's huge. I think that is one of the kind of bigger shift in terms of thinking about how do we live on mission in every context? How are we the sent people in every context? Now, this is opinion question. How would you guys see a church embody that? How would you see a church live out that paradigm? I see a problem in some of the churches because what we try to do is teach people that this church is missional, meaning we are geared to reach out to the outsiders. The trouble is, there's another, can I say heresy? <laughs> you could say anything on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Because everybody is missional, therefore nobody has to go. Oh. Yeah. And it's actually global mission is taking second place now, and the emphasis on local mission. And because of this emphasis on wherever you are, you're a sent one. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, global mission is lacking attention. Mm. And yet, most of the people who don't know Christ are far away. Right. Hmm. So we have to recapture global and local sure. together. A bigger picture. That's right. Yeah. So there's still a need, I think, Bosco can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> is there's still a need to preach. You've got to go. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It isn't just feeling sent. Sure. It's actually going too. But it is always that dynamic where God gathers us in community as his people, but he also, as community, or as he gathers us, he calls us out to be that presence in the yes. world and locally. And, and I hear what you're saying, uh, but I, I think it's always that when things have shifted, it shifts extremely, yeah. right? And so then it's like, oh no, to be missional is only about being locally mm-hmm. engaged. Mm-hmm. But no, like I don't think that was ever the context of, of who God has called us mm-hmm. to be, right? And he calls certain people to certain places and certain mm-hmm. people to be in, in, in other places. And I'm thinking like even the difference between Peter and Paul too, right? Like mm-hmm. Peter worked a lot with the Jews. Mm-hmm. Paul was sent out right. to the Gentiles. Right. And so both are being faithful in their context and both had to learn in, in their context. Let me affirm one thing you said. Mission is a communal exercise. Yeah. And when we recapture the idea of going, it's not as individuals, which was the paradigm in my day when I first went overseas. 
are these individuals who are called and you go and do your own thing and you're pioneers and right. everything else. We now have an understanding that the church are the called people of God mm-hmm. yeah. and the sent people of God. I, I believe you held that since you were nine months old <laughs> and you were going kicking and screaming. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Bosco, anything to add yeah. to that? One of the challenges when we talk about missions, because global and local, it's like that's the definitely the new trend. Like I, everyone's talking about it, like global missions, whatever you call it. But but then sometimes we forget that even right in the beginning, like Acts one eight, it was always an and, like mm. and so, so Jerusalem and in Algeria and to the end sure. of the world. It, it's just, it's just like uh, uh, sometimes there's also a whole high emphasis. Like for example, SIM, we have people, we're, we have people going coming to Canada, people people coming from Canada, yeah. people serving in Canada. We have people everywhere. Receivers have become senders. We're so on. But so one of the big, using like the word heresy, <laughs> or, the, or the dangers is if we say that, oh, we don't need global workers anymore. Right. Or we don't need local workers. Or once you start saying those things, like, no, oh, the end. Jesus never said, or. Like either or, <laughs> it's yeah. It's never either. We, like, just, even our local mission here is God's global mission. We are doing God's global mission. Amen. But, right. But it doesn't, but doesn't make an excuse for like, oh, therefore we don't need to send any more anyone else. But that's also wrong. Mm. Like there's a huge need still. To sure. people who say we don't have to go overseas now because they've come to us. Yeah. Craig Shugart makes the point that 87% of the people coming to us still are back home. Mm. Not under the sound of the gospel as they right. are in Canada. Oh, yeah. Now that 87% is a statistic totally made up on the spot, which is what <laughs> most statistics are. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and in them we trust, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh, my word. It's very interesting. Like this podcast especially looks at the context of the Canadian Asian church and mm-hmm. and what does it mean to uh, understand kind of the, the coming together of that culture. We've talked a lot about on this podcast how even in a context like Toronto, mm-hmm. You can experience the world here. Mm. There, are ha- there have been so many people coming into the city, at mm. least locationally, physically, right? But they may not have known the gospel yet, and they may be living still under a certain paradigm or perspective mm. or their own, their family or culture of origin, mm-hmm. wh- wherever that might be. And it can be a place in which we can connect with the world, but it also is not the world, mm-hmm. right? Just because it becomes this, this hub actually Bosco used this word earlier to describe this building mm. we're in because yeah. there's six agencies in here. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It is it a is. It Wonderful. Is. Missions have of the North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with that, it's finding ways to be engaged here, but also how do we engage in the global spectrum? Mm. Now, both of you guys are primed to answer this question. Like, this is kind of a side question. But in terms of engaging in global missions, do you guys feel things have changed? in terms of how that happens. I'll clarify this question with kind of an example. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. It seemed like there used to be more of an idea of going and being at a place for years and years at a time, like long-term missions, right? Uh, Versus the short-term missions, right? Right. And short-term teams were always just seen as going to support those who are there or or as vision trips, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And I'm wondering, has that changed over the last couple of decades? Because you know, technology has changed. There's also different ways of approaching it. You guys are primed to answer that because you know, InnerServe, Bob, that's where you've been working mm-hmm. alongside, and SIM, that's mm-hmm. where you're coming from, Bosco. How have you guys seen how things have progressed? Just to clarify, I'm an SIM mission kid. I grew up in the SIM, by the way. Oh, <laughs> best of both worlds. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I see a trend that is 
a danger. As the world gets more dangerous, <laughs> people are less likely to feel a call to evangelism and disciple me. Mm. And so we use the excuse, well, we're a holistic mission. So we do mercy ministries. We feed the hungry. We do relief and development. And there's a danger, because it's dangerous out there, that we lose this clear call to make disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. Because mm. it's hard and it's dangerous. And so that's one trend I see. And I think we have to be just alert to that because short-term missions, you don't get many short-term missions to Saudi Arabia mm. or Mongolia or North Korea. They can't get there. Right. And so if we make short-term missions the criterion of whether we're missional or not, we're going to be ignoring too big a part of what it means to be missional in, in this year. Right. I think, I think for me, it's more that it's once again the end. Yeah, I think it's when we started going to the or mentality, and it's very easy because, for for example, one of the so it's so easy for people who have been in long term missions to discount short term sure. and say there's oh there's no mm. point in that, but because it's a lot of work, mm. so it's, it's a lot of work, and so a lot of missions agencies have moved away from doing short term because churches are running their own short term trips. <laughs> right. They've already got they've already got uh, so that's something. So for us, we we can facilitate some things with teams, but we really don't want to go around recruiting short term right. trips because it's a lot of work. <laughs> it, it, our systems are not built for that. Mm. But then when when your church is oh because we're already sending short term teams every single year, like my own church. <laughs> You get the flip side where it's like, do we need long-term workers? And the, and the answer is yes. We, yes, yeah, we do. Right. Like even because even when we we forget how did the short-term team even have something to do there? <laughs> Sometimes yeah, exactly. it's because there's a long-term worker there. If they're trying to do things short-term and just coming back every year and doing all the thing, yeah, it's possible. Mm. But when it comes to effectiveness, you still need long-term workers. You need long-term workers from everywhere to everywhere. You need you need someone who's there locally. Who's who, you need a local missionary there. Yeah. Even if it's from their own nationality, there from there sure. to be serving. Like one of the beautiful things with the transition for cross-cultural missions nowadays, it's it's there. It's shifted. There's many ways because globalization has opened so many yep. doors. Yep. Like absolutely, like and to serve, take your job to, mm-hmm. and just bring it yeah. over there. Be and be in in in, in creative access places. International for, students, for, international. There's yes. so many different yeah. methods. Right. For us, we say use your skills and missions. Like we want, we want doctors. We want, we want nurses. Sure, but we also want IT professionals. We want people who are who are who are doing. Every, all types of things. I mean, for example, we have a person from Latin America taking her accounting skills to Thailand, and mm. and, and she's serving in the, in the office there. And I'm like, this is awesome. Mm. Like just watching the different like people can use your skills. And is there a need for long term? Absolutely, because mm. I'm I've been here at SIM for for ten months, and I'm like, it's only it's only ten months, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm exciting. like, well, what did I do? <laughs> but I also, I mean, I did a lot. But that's also like, wow. Versus when you think of the trip I went to in India, for example, I went to India and I went for two weeks. And I'm like, oh, I did a lot of things there in the short term. That's because someone else has set it all up for me in advance. Sure. So, right. so sometimes our short term vision of missions can also be skewed because we don't actually see the big picture. Right. So, so someone was sharing like, or even when they went to the missions field, they're like, oh, they, you stayed at a... You said an SIM guest house. You flew an SIM plane. You stayed at a. You, you had an SIM membership. When something goes wrong, what happens? Like, there's so many things we don't think about. Sure. And that's why missions. We really we instead of really focusing and saying we don't need to do that anymore. It's like we need to do everything better. Mm. Do you know? There's another thing when when short term missions started to be questioned. Yeah. I'd say as early as the 70s and 80s. Yeah. They would ask the question: How many short term 
people who go on short-term trips end up as career missionaries. And I turned it around. I said, how many people who are career missionaries started as short-term missionaries? Mm. In InterServe, 100%. Right. Nobody was career that hadn't first done short-term. Right. And so to me, that's more significant. Sure. And they are. They work together. Mm. They absolutely have to from a short-term point of view. But they also support and encourage and stimulate the career people who are in the front lines. Well, for us also, as you, when we screen people, we make sure, hey, what are you doing locally first, like in your church? Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a so-called quote-unquote missions, uh-huh. but like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> if you're not serving here when it's so easy to serve, mm. oh, what are you going to do over there? <laughs> a plane ticket doesn't make you a missionary. Mm. So one of the best, that's a reason why I firmly believe in local mission because it's a great training ground. It's the why I'm here. Mm. It's because I, I was involved and I was serving. I got kind of, God kind of led me and tricked me into doing more things, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, that's how, but that's how God sends. In, I mean, the, in the perfect, loving, faithful <laughs> way. Loving, faithful. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. But, and and that's, that's awesome because you are looking for people that have already leaned into that identity of being the sent yeah. people. Yeah. You're not looking for people who are thinking that, exactly. oh, if I go somewhere, then I can participate on mission. But it's like, no, I'm living out, participating what God is doing on his mission wherever I am at. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I think that's a huge shift in paradigm, right? Yeah. Your choice of words was good, too. It's not just an attitude of being sent, but it's living out yeah. the yeah. gospel. Yeah. And put it another way, we're sent to be, not just to do. Yep. Yeah. So if we're, if we're sent to be, then if you're not being a Christian already, like, what, what are you going to do when you're there? Sure. Like, yeah. you can have a strategy, but then strategies only take you so far. Sure. Like, if you're not, if you don't have a healthy missional rhythm, you're not going to last long anyway. Even if you say you want to do long term, what are you actually effective? Do you need the, do you actually have the, the grits, to the res- resilience hmm. to keep continuing on? Because when Jesus came, it was like the word became flesh and lived among us, right? It didn't say just Jesus came to die. Like, that's true. But he also became flesh and lived among us. That was mm-hmm. the, he was among us and lived and just became one of our, really being present with our people. Right? Yeah, he was doing his trade. Yeah, that's like for the first thirty <laughs> years of his life. Yeah, right. He was just with people. Yep, doing his trade, being a presence, and and that's something for us to really consider. What you know, what does that look like? And one thing I just want to add also is like we're not taking anything away from the experience of stepping out in faith and experiencing. Okay going and such like that. Like that is part of who we are. It's Mm -hmm. the living out of who we are. And so for those who have been a part of short-term opportunities and maybe we're unsure of their motives or, or, or their, or identity in Christ before they went, it is a cool transformative experience to go somewhere and to be like, we are participating with what God is doing here. Mm -hmm. So that transforms them as they come back. And so that's the whole idea of vision trip and, and how that could be, you know, you know, participating that way can be part of our discipleship journey as well. Um, but what we're talking about here is kind of painting that bigger picture and trying to see what does it mean for us. So I want to ask both of you guys personally. And so like we're looking like just personally and practically, what does it look like for you yourself to be the sent people? locally and globally at this point in your lives? Yeah, I usually joke that I'm a has-been because I have been this and I have been that. (laughs) That's sort of my missionary identity. I've got 10 different identities. And now I'm just an old retired guy, an old white guy. Now you're just awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, every day, opportunities with near neighbors, just 
talk, share your faith. Mm-hmm. We were intentional about going to a concert and dinner with a not-yet-Christian couple to try to just share our faith with them. We have other people at the cottage, and we, we are just intentional about engaging people, not directly with the gospel initially, mm. but to build relationships, which then uh, sharing the gospel becomes a very natural outcome of friendship and, and conversation. Yeah. And so two retired people, but all kinds of opportunities to interact. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of like the local sense. What does it mean for you in the global sense? Well, in the global sense, (laughs) I have health problems right now that canceled a trip. But otherwise, in two weeks, I was supposed to be the keynote speaker at an inter-surf conference in Dubai. Right. So I'm still speaking. Mm. And I was at the uh, leadership consultation in India in January. So I'm still asked to speak. Right. Partly because of my experience, which gives me a certain authority to speak. And that that won't go away. Right. Can't change the past. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's, I with a heart to go. I wanted to go, but then God really told me to stay. And I'm like, God, why? And as he revealed to me, he, he put the term missions mobilization into mm. my heart, right? I mean, what Ralph Winter said, wouldn't it be better to awaken 100 sleeping firemen than to hopelessly throw your own little bucket of water on a huge fire yourself? And I'm like, that's true. That's cool. <laughs> That's true. I'm like, yeah, so but one of the challenges with, with missions mobilization is that People, there's tons of people who make decisions to go. I, the past, in the past six months, I talked to so many people at events. I'm, I'm so tired. Right <laughs> I'm traveling across Canada. There's still a fervent heart for desire for missions. Like people sure. want to go. People have, there's so many different barriers for them. But, but then for, for many of them, they don't have someone who's a missions mobilizer who can walk with them. Right. So for, for every like hundred missionary decisions, only like one out of them ever comes into fruition. They say it takes around like seven years to even get from like decision to to the field. Yep. Right. Like it just sure. this takes a long time. So my role is in serving the church and leading our team here is to do exactly that to to teach us how to teach to teach us how to walk alongside people to to work alongside people and sending them up with using my skills, using my networks here, using my things that God's called me. And I'm like, okay, fine, I can't go. But God wants me to send more people. And so if I can send more people, sure. that's just as good. They, yeah. say, they say that Jesus was a mobilizer because he, he just mobilizes people. <laughs> he sent them out. He, 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 he himself was mobilized and he was in a sense, right? Sure. And, and that's why one of the, um, if, to, to, to close off, I mean, one of the things I, I, I've learned, I learned this from Urbana in 2012. And I love I love these five things. I, I, I recommend churches. This is, this is how you can send well basically. Mm. And, and the first thing is fan the fr- flame. Like when someone's coming to you, like fan the flame, like don't, don't discourage them. Sometimes as a pastor, I was, I was guilty of this a lot of times. Like sometimes I count the cost too fast mm. and I get, I can discourage people too fast. Cause I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, you're like, why are you doing that? Right. Sure. But instead it's like, no, it's actually good. If God's stirring something and someone's fan the flame, pray with them, pray for more workers, right? Jesus told us to. So let's pray for one. But but then we also do have to eventually count the cost. Sure, <laughs> we do have to help people count the cost. Like long term is costly. There's a lot of work to do. Even as our own life, as as Christians, everyday life, it's costly. It takes it's a lot of work. But then we also to to prepare the cost. Now that you've counted the cost, reality, you have to encourage them to get preparation to equip people. Right? Mm-hmm. We are we are called to even as as ch- churches, as individuals, as missionaries, we're called to equip the saints, for the work of ministry. Mm. So we have to teach them how to learn together, share together, prepare together. That's what all these different missional communities are about. And I love that. Like, we should do that. Mm. But also teaching people how to build these networks. It's not easy. It's, it's not an easy skill. Like, 
one of the biggest challenges, they did a study on like one of the biggest barriers for Asians going to missions was fundraising. It's a huge barrier for myself too. It's 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 not easy. Support, right. so raising a team of supporters, of prayer supporters and financial support, it's not easy. You should have a real job. You should have a real job is what they're told, right? Mm. But then it's, how do, we, how do we encourage people to t- face that reality? It's an emotional toll. It's a part of their journey. It's not an easy spot. But also help people confirm the call. Because, mm. yes, we're sent. But sometimes we, are, we think we're sent to certain specific places because God told me so. But we need to treat it like the race card. Take it off the table. Just because we said the God told me card, is your community also agreeing with you? Do they do? Are you are you in discernment together with brothers and sisters, or is it just some kind of idea that you want to go? Is it is it really your call to go and to be sent to this specific group of people, or is it just wishful thinking? And that's why we need a community. We need the church to work together. We need missions agencies to work. We need everyone to be on the same page because we need a community to do these things with us. Right. It's good. Absolutely. All right, we end off our episodes with a takeaway box. And this is one final word for our (laughs) listeners to encourage or challenge them, and especially for the topic today of being the sent people. How would you encourage or challenge our listeners? So something just to leave with them to continue to wrestle with and to continue to work through for themselves and to consider for themselves, what does it mean to be the sent people? One of the things that really helped me in my journey was joining into what God is doing. Mm-hmm. When you when you when you really you were sensed to join into what God is already doing, mm-hmm. you will have a more healthy missional rhythm. Yeah. So, so Jesus saw the crowds, had compassion on them, and then he responded. And then that's a very common pattern in the scripture. For sure. So open your eyes. Really don't don't close your eyes to what objective reality what God is doing. Mm. And then and then let God do all the feelings, all the subjective, process it. Sure. And then respond. If you're tired, rest. Yeah. If you need more, if you don't, if you feel overwhelmed, find some, find, get, get a community of help. If you need someone, but let that be a, a cyclic rhythm, right? Yeah. Like I pastored from a, a, a Korean immigrant church. Mm-hmm. I often say a lot, Korean missions are amazing. They're, they're really, really powerful, like inspiring people. Uh-huh. But oftentimes it tends to, we kind of, or, or, or an Asian kind of, we, we tend to focus on the passion like, so we feel, oh, we feel called, we're so strongly, we feel sent, we felt sent, but we don't actually, and then, and then we go, so we feel and send and feel and go, but we often forget the objective vision. We forget mm-hmm. to really look and adjust. And this is, this is the only way we can do missions. And f- to be as sent people, we have to open our eyes. Yeah. We let, have me, to- let me build on that too. And I think uh, the takeaway for me is you immerse yourself in the word on a disciplined yes, daily absolutely. basis. Mm. And you foster your relationship with the one who sends you. Yes. So your personal relationship with mm-hmm. Christ and your immersion in the word are what's going to maintain your sense. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. Those are two big things to consider and to take away. And I really am encouraged by your life stories. And, you know, even something that you mentioned earlier too, Bosco, about yours was that, you know, for you in wrestling with what does that mean for yourself, that God was calling you to stay. And that is you being faithful and obedient to the one who is sending you in this context. Mm-hmm. And God called him out of the pastorate. And God called, that's and true. that's okay too. <laughs> we want to say that's okay, yeah. right? We want to say that is okay. You know, and to be someone who stays and be a mobilizer for mm-hmm. others is the way that God is calling you to participate on his mission and how that connects locally and globally. Mm-hmm. That is a really cool blending of the two. Yeah. 
and how, you know, and, and to be okay with that. I think sometimes it's, it's it, it, what you said earlier about like, oh, like, like if I'll go, then, you know, then, then I'll have this experience or I have this passion that I will be lived out if I go and stuff like that. But what if God really does want you to do something else? Yeah. And in terms of kind of calling and vocation on that side, but also with the people around you, yeah. what does that look like as well, yeah. Yeah. right? Very, very cool conversation we've been having today. Hey, if you have not done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. It really helps us get this conversation out there. We love hearing from you guys. You guys can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, or by email. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you agree, disagree? How are you wrestling with it in your own context, being the sent people? Hey, we've got a special treat for you guys over this next coming month. We're going to be looking at stories of how people are engaging on mission in creative ways. You don't want to miss it. There's going to be a lot of episodes coming up, so we hope you guys will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged, and have a wider perspective on what does it mean to live intentionally and to participate with what God is doing in the world. Once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.